<laughs> they call me microphone face. <laughs> We're here to talk about bread, lettuce, cheese, dead presidents, green. It's just money, man. It's just money. Hi, welcome to It's Just Money. You've got your doctor. Dr. Matt Anderson, PhD in psychology. Your creative. Raul Contreras, filmmaker and designer. And I'm Jared Stafis, an entrepreneur with a master's in personal finance. Ultimately, this podcast is about people and their relationship with money. In today's episode, we are going to talk about struggling to get ahead financially. For me, I want to talk about what are some simple ways that we could get started investing with little to no money. And so just really kind of want to be practical, getting people thinking about how they can kind of start getting ahead. Just basically what I want to discuss is spending money on wants versus needs, because we all have things that we need to survive in life and we, we buy in order to do that. But when we buy something we want, do we have to know ourselves in order to justify the thing we want? Should we justify these purchase, these want purchases? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does one differentiate between needs and wants? More philosophical sense, if you know yourself better, have thought about your values and are thoughtful of how you want to achieve goals in your life, or you make very different decisions than if you just going with your whims, right? Because many people don't, especially people who are struggling to get ahead, don't make money purchase decisions rationally. We make them very emotionally in whims. As one, uh, one of my professors in my PhD described once is that we as humans, we think of ourselves as scientists. You know, we really think things out, you know, list the pros and cons and make logical decisions but our brains actually work much more like lawyers. We have an end goal that we want to reach and we come up with the argument to justify it. The crazy thing about being a consumer and spending money is that everybody wants you to spend your money on their product. And there are so many products out there. It's overwhelming, but they give you very little time to justify your decisions. Mm. You you almost have to make a, a like a split second decision on whether or not you want to buy something mm-hmm. because there's so many things going through your brain. The biggest thing is about changing our beliefs so that when we, when we are enticed by the marketing, that our values, our beliefs change how we respond to them so that we don't, we do less of the impulse buying. We do more purchases related to our values. We establish systems so we don't have to make the decisions. It, it takes it takes time to change a belief, but you can change beliefs about yourself. So you're kind of fighting consumerism. So that, that makes me think of this psychological construct called system one and system two. Kind of Kind of think about it as fast thinking versus slow thinking, or system one is your intuition, so the kind of how you feel decision-making right away, because it's almost instantaneous, it's so fast. But then system two is more of our reason and logic, and how we kind of reason out and use words to describe um, our, our arguments for whatever decision we're making. People want to get you to kind of make those quick decisions so that your system two doesn't have a chance to override what your system one wants. That's why there's that kind of hurry, the rush. Well, you know, if you buy in the next hour or then, you know, you, you get this special deal because it's keeping you from overriding your desire for that thing. Sure. And I think that's really challenging, though, because you also described that the lawyer is mm-hmm. so dangerous because the lawyer can make an argument for how to justify something. So how do you keep system two, which you need to participate, um, involved without also just 
self-arguing your way into what you wanted anyways. I mean, sometimes we do argue ourselves to, to meet our values, and so it's okay to make these purchases. If it's a good deal and the right purchase, it'll still be the right purchase in a week or in a day. So I, I pre-plan. The things I buy don't tend to surprise me. I don't come across something and go, oh, my gosh, I didn't know this didn't exist, and then buy it. I do it all the time. I think there's a difference when you're talking about spending one large sum of money. You have more pause to think mm-hmm. versus purchasing a bunch of cheaper things, smaller amounts of money that then build up to something more than what you expected it to be. I think that's a great point. You're right, because who doesn't use system two and get other good professional advice when they buy a real estate? (laughs) Right. So what we're really talking about then for people is kind of how to control that spending and be more conscientious of the small purchases. Like, what are some examples of what you're talking about? Uh, The biggest example, at least in, in my experience, is... Amazon for one. So how do I stop that impulse? Or how do I not trust my system one? Delete your prime account. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is an free effective shipping, way. Man. Free shipping. You're right. You got rid it. of the free shipping. Free shipping. Uh no, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I really do think that it's it's more about um, you know, planning ahead, knowing what you need, knowing what you want, crafting that, knowing the price you want to pay, and then you're looking for that opportunity. But I think what's interesting, Jared, is what you're kind of what's pointing out the difference between you two is I think for you, a really strong value for you is getting the most value you can out of something. I know if that was always that way for you or if that's something you've developed over the years. But I don't know, Raul, at least for me, that is less of a natural bent that I have. My tendency is that I want the right thing. That's how I'm sort of driven. I think what's really important and kind of like you're saying about knowing ourselves is you, you need to know your values, like what ma- really matters to you and actually being thoughtful about that will help you make buying decisions and also help you not make, the, you know, like the wrong buying decisions. So if we were to zoom in real quick, what's, what's a example of what you mean by know your values? Like how could I know a value and then translate this to something that's useful for like what Raul is talking about? Exactly. And so in order to do that, because I know if I had to actually like physically every month put money away, I wouldn't. So I automatically have my bank transfer money when after I get my paycheck into an investing account. And then my, because I'm more principle driven, I know once it goes in there, I can't take it out to spend on non-investment things. Since it's happening automatically every month, my budget for what I can spend my money on is automatically however much less. And so that's how I'm able, my family's able to save up you're almost giving less control over, over your money, you with your money. Right? Exactly. I like that. For me to kind of comprehend what you're saying, I almost have to trick myself into the idea that I got a smaller paycheck than I really did. Yeah, the, there's a yeah me controlling the everyday me <laughs> so that I don't spend it. You have to create small goals. and You have to create small sacrifices. Everybody wants to make these big goals. And that goal is so big and so far away that we can't actually, like, make it real. And so then it doesn't actually affect our behavior. Mm. So if you don't believe you can save money, you won't save money. Mm. Like, that's just going to be the case. Um, so the, how my, our mindsets affect 
how we deal with money. Is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. So uh, you just heard people who will, I mean, like, who has not heard somebody say, I'm never going to get ahead. Mm -hmm. Or I'm never going to pay off my student loans early. I'm never going to buy a house. Mm -hmm. Like, people say these all the time. Mm -hmm. As soon as you hear people saying it, you can pretty much rely on the fact that that person probably isn't going to. They're not setting the goal. They're not setting the goal, and they're actually going the opposite direction, setting the opposite goal. They're literally working against themselves. There are really two types of self-fulfilling prophecies. There's really the self-imposed prophecies, which is what I just talked about. But I also want to introduce one other, which is it's actually externally imposed self-fulfilling prophecies. So this is where family, friends, any of these things that are kind of feeding into ourselves to create Self-fulfilling prophecies we don't even acknowledge. We just naturally accept. Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself thinking any of those things, maybe it's not even you. Maybe it's other people making you feel that way. But either way, you have to recognize that you have these negative self-fulfilling prophecies and you have to start speaking positive self-fulfilling prophecies. Are you telling me you can deflect or you can avoid all of the negative external influences? Absolutely not. I'm telling you that those are very hard to, to actually counterbalance. Mm-hmm. And since those negativity is what exists in society as a rule of thumb more than anything else, so that's why it's that much more important that you internally start creating positive messages for yourself and you also seek out people and things that will support positive messages externally. Mm. You gotta fight against those negative messages. You you are better than you are. You better believe it. Hey, you've got money questions. We've got money answers. It's just money live is coming up. Check out our Facebook page for details. Make sure you don't miss your opportunity to participate. All right, we'll see you then. So yeah, so I really think that that's really important for people to know is. Start saying that you can do those things because you have to believe it. And then you can start creating those small goals and sacrifices because you believe you can do them. And so it takes a certain amount of willpower mm-hmm. and you have to be able to actually exercise that willpower. Like something I like to say is a placebo effect is still an effect. Because yeah, in medicine, placebo powerful. effect has an effect because your mind believes it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of you want to create some money placebo effects like I can save. I can get out of debt. It's harder for people who live in adversity because there's so much negativity kind of telling them they can't do things and they, they're going to, you know, so, so many things against you mm-hmm. and why it's like important to really believe in yourself that you can do something better. Yeah. One way to think about it is like, oh, we are so shaped by our thoughts. And so many times people feel trapped by the thoughts or the thoughts of their community that keep them from feeling that they get ahead. But the flip side of it, though, is is that then when you know that, that it's the ideas that are holding you back, that you now have the power by working to change your thoughts and your beliefs about yourself, and you have the power to overcome those barriers. That's the big battle. It's also very achievable. Mm-hmm. It's possible. It's not easy, but it's possible. But there's actually other societal factors that aren't marketing that I think even have even bigger influence on how we think about money, like how our family spent money, how our, you know, our mother or father or whoever our caretakers were spent money. How do our friends talk about money and spend money? How have we educated ourselves about money? Have we actually learned from people who are successful with money about how they do it? And if you haven't ever been too exposed to any of that, don't even know what the possibilities are, you know, to be able to 
go beyond what you kind of have right now. Like one example of how mindset works, my wife's step-grandfather, him and his family were from a wealthy Jewish-German family, and they had fought in World War I with the Germans um, and lost everything because of that war. Between World War I and World War II, they gained it all back because they knew how to do business and they knew how to handle money, gained it all back. But then when the Hitler and the Nazis came into power, they lost everything again. He had stories of running and hiding and fleeing from the Nazis and got out and ended up in Colombia with nothing. But in Colombia, as a middle-aged man who had lost his wife and kids, he was able to get remarried and build up his wealth again. He started a factory and did all these things because his wealth was in his head, not in his bank account. And so to me, that story is always so helpful is realizing that how we understand money is more about our knowledge and our beliefs more than kind of the circumstances around us. So I think for me, that's that was the big shift that I'm not controlled by my circumstances. But if I have learned about money and if I have beliefs that I can do well with money, then I can improve my lot. So since we've been talking about kind of what does it look like to get ahead or what keeps us back from getting ahead, I really want to talk about what are some kind of practical things that people can do to begin to get ahead. So we talk about saving. So let's so let's assume you're, okay, I'm going to save 50 bucks uh, a month out of my paycheck, um, which is not a lot. But what can I do with that to get it to kind of start working for me, kind of investing, growing itself? And so I kind of came with three kind of simple things that we can do. The first is the simplest. Thankfully, we live in a technological age. So now there's all these apps and web-based companies that allow make investing really easy. Would you trust those? I have, but the really powerful thing is you can set it up to automatically pull from your bank account every month. And if you pick, you know, even a fairly low risk one, you're going to earn more than if it's just sitting in your bank account getting like 0.1% interest that your bank gives you, your savings account. And so that's really kind of the simplest way to kind of start figuring out what does it look like to invest, to have that money, start making money at a higher rate than just savings accounts. Anybody else have any experience with using those? I started to use Mint. Oh, no, sorry, not Mint. Um, Acorns. Ah. And it scared me after a while. I, I have a little experience in investing. Um, but honestly, and this is, I would like to maybe get some discussion on this a little bit, but part of what scared me was once you start investing a certain amount, once you reach a limit, you got to start dealing with taxes. And I don't know anything about taxes and how that works or affects investment. There's a big box. <laughs> <laughs> so future episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we I will mean, talk about that in a future episode. Okay, perfect. That's awesome. The biggest thing is is time. Mm-hmm. You get time on your side. You get it in even if you have a loss. A lot of times people will look at it in short term and they say, Man, I lost twenty percent. That'd be horrible. But it's the worst thing to do way, is take it yeah, out. The worst <laughs> thing to do is take it out. Not just keep putting that money in and allowing the market to do market does yeah as someone who's security oriented how do you know that your money is in good hands or is that what the market is you don't know and you're just supposed to trust it but most people they just have one guy they trust and it's uh, they have that financial planner um, that's why there's so many of them and and they rely on that person to guide them so the second one's a bit more creative so oftentimes this is not always the case but oftentimes when we have little money Um, What we can invest is our time. And so with little creativity, ingenuity, you can make money. Even if, so this is someone who doesn't have $50 even spare in their income to invest is arbitrage. So it's a big fancy word, but do yard sales, garage sales, buys stuff and then flips it on eBay. And he'll like, and he does it. He doesn't need the money, right? But he does it because he's, 
it's fun for him. But he also is part of it's just showing like, hey, with some hustle, you can go and make money and kind of help get yourself ahead. Because if you hustle and you you can, cause especially with us, you have a supercomputer in your pocket. Most people have a smartphone. You can use eBay to find out what, hey, I'm going to buy this for 50 cents. Oh, I can sell it for 20 bucks on eBay. And you can learn and educate yourself over time to begin to make money. And But the key with that is that it just does you don't get like spending money out of it. The key with that is I'm going to use my extra time to make this extra money to then invest, reinvest it in something else. Because that's, that's how you build wealth over time, or at least reinvest most of it at minimum. Um, because that's how you're going to build wealth over time so that you can be more secure. If security is a big, important thing for you, building that that capital, that wealth that you have is what brings security because it's something besides you making money for you. Any thoughts on that one? I mean, one person's trash is another person's treasure. And if you're already selling the thing, but you're not putting in the effort to go you know, online and make it specialty and whatever the case, like then that's just another sale. They're selling it to you at a lower cost because it's convenience, mm-hmm. it's a convenience cost. Mm-hmm. You're taking the effort to kind of extract value from it and the risk that it might not sell for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you're, you're right about one thing for sure, Matt, which is at the end, it's, it's all about getting out there and hustling if you want to make extra. Absolutely. I don't have much extra time. I have a family and kids. And so, well, the reality is if I had to and I really needed to do that, I could, but I would have to sacrifice time, time with my family. Yeah. And for some people, that's maybe the right decision, a temporary sacrifice in order to get ahead. Um, but some people, it's not possible. You know, that's why it's situational. But these are ideas to think outside the box that we're not trapped by our circumstances. The last one, which people don't usually think of, this is little to no money investing, but real estate. How do you get into real estate with little or no money? That sounds like like a clickbait title. <laughs> but one of the things I find fascinating, which in the real estate coming out a lot, is the idea of house hacking. Either of you guys heard of the term house hacking? Yes, actually. House hacking. This is funny. Uh, it's going to sound prepared. And saving that. And so. I've been in my... Uh I, I, I personally, I just actually came across this not too long ago and I was like, they're writing articles about us, sweetie, <laughs> uh, because we've had roommates who paid rent in our home and we've owned our own home for over a decade. House hacking is where you get roommates. Uh, it's popular with millennials. They'll actually uh, rent, well, they'll buy their own home and then actually get roommates, which is the beginning of house hacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they might get more roommates and then they might buy another home and maybe even move into it. And so that one actually becomes the rental. Mm-hmm. But again, you buy your own home and, and have roommates. Mm-hmm. Because when you your first time, potentially, oh yeah, some people will actually Airbnb it. get a bigger, you know, four or five bedroom house, get two roommates, and then Airbnb two bedrooms. I mean, because the advantage is if you know your own house that you're going to live in, then you, you can get it for as little as what three point two percent down or five percent, just three down, percent down, which is like crazy. Like if you're a full real estate investor, you're like twenty five percent down at least. So, I mean, that's what lets you get in. But then if you are hacking, then your 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 renters are paying the mortgage as well. So you're also living rent-free if you do it right. Wow. And, and so then but the smart thing then is the money that you're saving and not paying rent, then you're investing that. We need, we need to be more about the long-term gratification mm-hmm. with the bigger payoffs than the quicker instant payoffs. So Jared, would you say you're using all three of these tips that Matt has recommended? <laughs> Come to think of it, I am. Wow. 
Uh, Maybe I need to jump on the on the train. We, <laughs> we house hack. Uh, we definitely take arbitrage as often as possible. <laughs> and we use technology and investing apps to get money in the market. Oh. So actually, uh, when the economy tanked in December, we actually uh, front invested all of our money for the whole year using those apps because mm. the market went really low. And then, of course, it climbed back up. Oh, wow. How does one pay attention to the market? Oh, another good podcast. Man, Raul, you're good. You're full this of good ideas. Here. Well, thanks, guys, for that discussion. And we hope you guys really gained something from this discussion and learned more about what it means to get ahead. And we'll get you next time. Thank you for listening or watching It's Just Money. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If so, please subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, please comment below. But remember... It's just money. Thanks for sticking around. Here's a clip from our next episode. Jack is a financial advisor and lawyer. Identify and describe a memory where you kind of started to understand that money, money existed. The game was called entrepreneur. And I said, dad was an entrepreneur. And he goes, entrepreneur. And he looks at the guy that he was having a meeting with, who was also an entrepreneur. And he said, son, an entrepreneur is an idiot. <laughs>